Hey guys and welcome to a new episode of Medici Podcast. Today I'm going to be talking to Josh, the co-founder of Stay365, a Web3 solution to travel and real estate. I hope you enjoy it. Hey everyone and welcome. We're here live with Josh from Stay365, the co-founder. Welcome. I'm very uh, happy and pleased to have you on the panel today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to getting into it today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, likewise. So before we get into the whole product and what you guys do, I want to know a little bit more about you. How did you get into crypto and this whole Web3 space? I think it was during the pandemic. You know, I dropped out of uni um, a few years ago. After that, I had a lot of time to fill um, and I just discovered crypto. You know, it it was a really uh, exciting time when I first found it, as I'm sure it is for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. You found it through Twitter, I suppose, like accidentally or did you have connections within the field? No, it was a happy accident. It was a happy accident. You know, since then, I've connected with a lot of people in my local area who have also been kind of going on their solo journeys in crypto since then. And we've kind of met up and there's a group of us now who are kind of focusing and, you know, we've built a group chat up and we'll kind of send each other alpha and everything. But at the beginning, it was just me just solo going through, just, you know, taking in the excitement of it all. That's amazing. Yeah, I would say similar here, similar journey uh, with a group of friends and just pursuing what we want to do. So then Stay365, uh, traveling and this whole, um, you know, experience platform, how did you get about to doing that? I must suppose you're a traveler yourself and that's something you enjoy. So, yeah, I've, yeah, I've always been really passionate about traveling. You know, I, th- I think traveling is the gateway to, you know, really living your life as freely as you want to be and, you know, becoming a digital nomad and being able to move around the world, work from anywhere, work remotely. So when I met my co-founder and we kind of started discussing the idea of creating a, a, a travel company and then integrating crypto, it just seemed like a really natural fit. So it was like a, it was, it was, it was an obvious play for us to both go down. Right, right. And I assume that you're a digital nomad as well. And uh, how do you see this kind of, how do you see the progression of this digital nomad lifestyle coming into the next five years, let's say? Do you think more people are going to try to live this lifestyle or because there's a huge shift right and and before it was kind of known to have a house in one certain location and be bounded by the things that you own and now it's shifting towards more you know i want to live here a bit there a bit but then you're also bounded by the career path you're chosen how do you how do you see this happen in in the future yeah, you know, it's really interesting to look over the history of digital nomads evolving because if just just a few years ago, five, ten years ago, it was like this really weird thing yeah. you did. And it's like, oh, you're a digital nomad? Like, what, are you some kind of hippie that just travels around and, like, does odd jobs here and there? But, you know, with the rise of remote working, it's become huge. And, you know, the, to see the exponential growth of digital nomads over the past few years is really interesting. Um, you know, in the future, I think it's going to become something that companies, will, like most companies, will offer the chance to remote work. So, you know, by 2030, I think there's predicted to be 120 million digital nomads worldwide. And yeah. it's going to make up the fastest growing population. Do you know any numbers about how many there are right now? I've not done any research on that. It's around 40 million. Um, there are people dispute that fact. But, yeah, you know, the, I think the generally accepted figure is around 40 million worldwide and about 20 million of those are in the US. Okay, interesting. And how do you think these digital nomads are born, essentially? Because... I think with the old kind of system, how it was is that you get a job and then you're in a certain location because there's a branch of a company that you work for. But now maybe I see it only in specific professions like finance, but specific finance. And then you have art and then you have like engineering to some regard. Can that be as a digital nomad profession? How do you see that? You know, how do you become a digital nomad in a sense? 
Yeah, I think it's been accelerated massively by the pandemic because people realized, okay, I actually can do my job from home. It was kind of like it was forced. So people had to adapt yeah. um, without the pandemic happening. People might not have adapted for a few more years. So it accelerated that massively. And now you've got a whole group of people worldwide who are like, wait a second. I don't need to commute for an hour each day. Yeah. I don't need to spend, you know, excess time away from my family. I can actually work from home, have a work-life balance that works for me, yeah. and I get more freedom. So once people have kind of tasted that, many are going to be reluctant to go back. I definitely agree. But I also think that's more of the younger generation as well. I'd say like 50 upwards, they're still kind of resilient on this change. And for them, this change to working at home, that for them is kind of the digital nomadship that they're looking for. But for us, you know, 20, 30-year-olds, we're the ones traveling around the world. And this ties in, you know, to me asking, so what is stage 365 then? So yeah, that's perfect. Uh, that's a perfect segue. Stage 365 <laughs> is a platform built and created for the new generation of digital nomads. Um, it's an everything platform. So you can book rentals online in many different countries. You can book experiences while you're there. Um, you can find a sense of community and connect with people, which is one of the hardest parts of being a digital nomad, traveling around, you have no set home base. So your home base, or one of them at least, can be the community you can find with Stay365. We're also offering investments. So I think an essential part of a digital nomad toolkit is being able to make investments in asset classes that fit you and fit the modern era, which is why we're tokenizing properties. We're going to be tokenizing assets such as rare Porsches, rare sports cars, um, wines, lots of um, alternative assets that we're going to be packaging up as tokenized and allow people to invest from anywhere in the world with no minimum capital requirement. Right. So then my first question is, from what you just said is what flaws did you find in the traditional system such as airbnb or booking.com that anyone could technically use why would they use a web3 alternative and why is web3 necessary for such a kind of platform yeah i think it's just ownership i mean you know drawing on a couple of recent examples we've seen paypal um, recently institute a policy where they can withdraw or fine you two thousand five hundred dollars um, just for essentially spreading misinformation or whatever PayPal beam as misinformation, which is a dangerous power uh, for such a company to have. You know, it's not it's not bizarre to think that Airbnb can institute a similar policy in the future where they can essentially cut you off from access to Airbnb or from access to your hosting account. Um, so creating a decentralized alternative where there is much less moderation and the user has much more power and ownership is definitely a key factor for us, um, forwarding the decentralization of the internet. There's also a few other areas, so enabling greater rewards, um, greater alignment of incentives between different network participants. Obviously, it's a two-sided marketplace, so you've got hosts and landlords on one side, you've got tenants and guests on the other. To keep that in balance, the use of tokens and NFTs is quite a powerful model to align incentives between all the participants in the network, make sure that everybody's on the right page, and it's a, it's a force for growth too. Right. And is State365 then out looking to become a DAO, in some re a DAO in some regard in the future then, if, you're, if we're talking about decentralization, where, you know, the guests or hosts can also vote towards the evolution of the platform? Yeah, yeah, it's slight tangent, but Board Ape Yacht Club, they've got something, uh, the council uh, that oversees the ApeCoin, you know, it's, it's a separate entity, um, separate from Board Ape, but they have a, an oversight job, so they manage it. I think DAOs should have that kind of council feel. You don't want to let millions of people have a vote necessarily yeah. um, because it's too easy to manipulate and people could get hold of too many tokens and have too much weight. But having a separate council away from the main company uh, where people can actually manage and do uh, act in the best interests of the ecosystem at large. Right. And then I also understood that this solution, this Web3 solution does inherently lower the fees compared to Airbnb or Booking. 
Can you explain a little bit why or how does that actually work? Yeah, so by replacing a lot of the network architecture with decentralized protocols, um, you can reduce headcount massively. I think the statistic is something like for every FANG, so Facebook, Apple, Google employee, they generate something like a two or three X multiple, it might be slightly higher than that for some companies of what they're paid, of what their compensation is. When you look at comparable Web3 protocols like Uniswap, um, certain decentralized marketplaces, OpenSea, the employees of those companies generate a multiple more like 20 or 30 times what their compensation is. Oh, so wow. in a Web3 company, employees can generate a much higher multiple of their compensation in value for that company. Um, and this is due to just reduced overheads, reduced congestion um, in, in the way that companies are managed. Mm -hmm. All right, fair. And so let's dive into the ecosystem then a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes for you guys. So first question that arises for me is, have you had any bookings yet through your platform? Yes, yes, we have, we have. It's, right. uh, it's, it's up and running. Okay. We're, going, we're going strong. Um, it's early doors, but yeah, All right. we're having bookings for you. That's very good to hear. That's very nice. And your stays tokens that are already out and about, they're already being traded or how is that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we, we had a token sale. We sold um, a percentage of tokens a few months back now. Um, obviously, we did that quite early when we hadn't developed a lot for tech yet. We had the marketplace, you know, ready, but a lot of the Web3 features hadn't yet been rolled out. Now those features are in the process of being rolled out and we're anticipating to see it quite a big spike in interest in stays token in our ecosystem, especially since it's next week um a lot of the features will activate and the people can actually start using those stays tokens for things other than just buying and selling and trading right which i'm really excited about i'm really excited about and what are those uh some of the features if you may disclose yeah so we are taking a property which we own and we are tokenizing it so people in you know around the world will have the chance to stake their stays tokens into this pool uh, there's the pool has 10 million stays tokens capacity uh, people can contribute a maximum number of tokens and they will receive benefits and rewards and apy paid out after the six month lockup period is over so we're giving people the chance to actually use their stays tokens to generate them rewards um, it's kind of like a travel to earn or an earn to travel model um, where people can really get involved in the ecosystem they can take those rewards and they can use them to book a trip mm -hmm. right and what was your or thought behind of making it tokenized real estate instead of, for example, fractionalized real estate that people can um, actually own. Yeah, yeah, it's transactional ease. So, you know, it's creating a layer, a, a transactional layer in State 365 where people can actually swap and buy and sell their tokenized real estate. Mm -hmm. um, so, you, you know, you don't have to wait or, you know, it's not going through a centralized entity. You just own that and you can sell it to, to anybody via transferring it in a crypto wallet, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's just a better system for everybody. You know, you see OpenSea do really cool stuff with NFTs yeah. and with the marketplaces that are cropping up now. You'd XY2, um, yeah, is it X2Z2 or so, you know, the, the, the new marketplaces. They're doing really cool stuff. So we're going to be borrowing a few pages from their books to further develop the system and make it really worthwhile for people to own a tokenized property instead of just a traditional fractionized property. Right. And is and how do those tokens also then benefit the host? What kind of incentives do they have owning such uh, tokens? Yeah, so these host is, is sort of incentivized to own tokens because they can greatly reduce or eliminate any fees from being involved on the Stay365 platform. Right. So if you're a host on Airbnb, you know, typically you'll pay anywhere from 10 to 30% um, oh, of your wow. bottom line just goes directly to Airbnb. Oh, I didn't know that. So yeah, it's quite a high number. And depending on the platform, that will move around a bit. 
um, if you own stays tokens and you're embedded in our ecosystem, we value that. So we're offering hosts, you know, zero fees if they're really heavily invested in stays tokens. Mm -hmm. Right. And is there any other can is there any other things except for those lower fees that they uh, can benefit of? Like, for example, if there's liquidity pools, uh, if, for example, they're owning a residency and if let's say people stake their tokens into their residency, uh, could they potentially pull out those tokens to then refurbish their house or et cetera, use that as liquidity? Exactly. Yeah, that you cut you basically summed it up there. So we want to provide an option for property owners to have easy access to liquidity in the market, you know, instead of going through the red tape and the headaches of a traditional bank, you can just open up a staking pool or a position on stay 365 and yeah. draw liquidity from the community that's also supporting you and staying with you. Mm -hmm. I think it's very also important for hosts to kind of have a, a security and kind of a calm sense of mind of when tenants are moving in. Mm -hmm. So I think the question for me arises, how do they know that customers on the platform that you have are, you know, safe and they had not only good past, but let's say for new customers, is there some sort of background check that hosts are going to be able to follow through or, you know, to choose the tenants that they have in their properties? Yeah, so there's different tiers of options available for people. And that's a really good point to make because safety and security is one thing that people struggle with on Airbnb. You know, yeah. you have people who, who just stay for a weekend, they'll throw a massive party, yeah. crash the place, and you never hear from them, from them again. So, you know, that's why Airbnb has their air cover in place to cover that. And we do have insurance available for hosts as well to have that peace of mind and that safety. Um, there's also an option to, you know, to KYC, for example, if you're a UK resident, um, and, you know, we're going to be opening these staking pools so that it's not just stays tokens, but there's ETH involved as well. There's actually a financial incentive where you can treat this as an investment, you know, and you, it, it's something that instead of putting your money in the S&P 500 or in a stock and yeah. receiving, you know, some dividends each year, you can put it in a tokenized property and you can have access to real estate um, for a fraction of the price it would usually cost to get involved. So to have that, you know, system in place, we do need to KYC people having that gives obviously peace of mind and also means that hosts would probably be a lot less fearful of letting people stay at their properties, especially for short durations of time. Right. And as I understood pro uh, correctly, you also allow, uh, you're going to be building this platform for longer rent rental periods for like a year or two years. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. We're serious when we say it's going to be an everything platform for digital nomads. <laughs> all right. All right. And then, uh, yeah. <laughs> because for example, in the, I say classic version of uh, renting, I'm not sure about how the legislation goes for other countries, but I know in the countries I've lived before, sub-renting is a huge problem. Is mm. there some sort of mechanism that you're going to put in place to kind of allow for sub-rentals or make that actually a very viable solution for people who don't want to stay in their house and move out for a couple of months if they go on an exchange, for example? Yeah, so do you mean if people are renting a place, you know, um, for, say, two years? Yeah. You know, during that tenancy they'd like to go away and travel around for a bit they can then sublet the apartment to somebody else exactly yes yeah so this is something that we have to be very careful of because there are specific landlords that do not want subletting um i i think i'd, I'd say most landlords don't want subletting so but it, it's 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 hard to discover when people are doing that you know take away web3 take away for today 365 it's it's very difficult to find out if your tenant is subletting as you know usually that's not strictly on the market you know you might find it through facebook marketplace or craigslist or something like that that's yeah. doing it so 
we're not really getting involved on that level. Um, you know, we don't have a physical presence to actually detect if somebody's doing that or not. Okay, right. Now, the reason I'm asking is because within, uh, within your white paper, I've seen that mm -hmm. you guys have the NFT system and uh, that for long uh, rental periods that you could be allowing for the reselling of an NFT as a contract uh, that is for yeah. base. So that's why I was yeah. asking if that NFT could be resold to another individual while one individual is gone. Yeah, so at least in the UK, that would actually constitute as the transfer of a tenancy contract. Right. So the tenancy would switch from one person to the other person. Yeah. And then both the landlord and the new tenant would then have to re-sign the agreement for it to be fully transferred. And we're going to be managing this entire process on chain. Yeah. Um, so I believe we're the first company to create a full end-to-end uh, -end lettings process on chain. And this is going to be released in a few weeks time. And that, how would that work? Would one owner have a OpenSea account, for example, and they'll be selling the NFT to another? uh let's say tenant or how how does that look for from a customer's yeah, so perspective we, we actually manage this through our own website we're, we're building sort of oracle and api endpoints um from end to end where the 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 host will create a document using our tech stack okay. um, that will then be minted as an nft and then transferred and sent over to the to the tenant uh, both will sign it digitally and then the signed uh, version will be again minted as an NFT, which will then be copied and sent to both uh, parties involved. So it's going to be a fully on-chain letting process, which I'm really, 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 really excited about. Because when you talk about moving lettings on-chain, then you can like go into a city and make a collection offer on something. You can say, "Hey, Manchester, or, hey London, there's twenty thousand properties here, but I'm willing to offer eight hundred a month for this, 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 and this." And you can send out the offer, and any landlord can accept it. So that's really exciting. That's absolutely, that's insane because I've never heard of something like this and everything before was all done through documents and all these long kind of processes. But now with this on-chain and blockchain kind of technology, it really does speed up the process, but also it creates a more secure, I would say, process that, you know, it's, it's your, your data is safe first and foremost, but it's also very, it's not transparent for anyone else and it can't get lost. So, you know, it's there. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah, I think that's very important, which leads me to the next point is if you are guys going to be going to KYC and your customers or, and of course your hosts, how are you going to be ensuring your customers data safety within your mm -hmm. uh, platform? Look, so we, we're probably going to be using a, <clears throat> a third party provider to begin with. Um, we don't have the infrastructure in place for us to be fully, fully confident with holding and storing that kind of data. And the third party provider that we use, you know, they delete the files after 24 hours or however long. Um, so they don't store any personal data or anything like that. You know, you verify, you KYC, it gets confirmed and then all data is erased. So, you know, there is minimal risk. I don't think I've ever seen one of those uh, providers actually get hacked or get, you know, have data leaks. So I think it's a very secure way. Okay, right. Loud and clear. And then, okay, so you have like an old way in, a, in some regard to making an account, uh, which is you've got your email, you've got your password, and you've got your name. Have you guys thought about integrating uh, Ethereum one-click login? I know we're far from this kind of technology yet where people are KYC'd and their identity on the Ethereum chain, is, that doesn't exist just yet, but I'm sure we're heading that direction. Was that something that you guys will be thinking of implementing at some point? 
Yeah, it, it's helpful to keep the long-term vision in mind when yeah. you're designing products. You know, at any stage of the pipeline, you want to be fully keyed on to because the, the space moves fast, right? So you have to you have to set the system up correctly so that you're not going to fail or become obsolete in two or three years' time when the technology has evolved and moved on. So we're always trying to keep an eye on trends and seeing, okay, what can we build now that's still going to stand the test of time? And that not only that, but we can look back on in three years and we'll be like, wow, we were actually doing quite innovative stuff back in 2022. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's it's something that's going to be initiating on a website just for the Web3 aspects of it. So you have your first login where you sign in with an email and a password, and then you have a second sign in where you sign into the, the Stay365, you know, DAP, the, the, the decentralized version that you then sign into with an Ethereum wallet. That Ethereum wallet will be connected to your normal, I'd say, Stay365 login um, because we want to be able to onboard people who are 50, 60, 70 years old. And you know they don't really want to mess. They, they they don't even know what Ethereum is, right? So a lot of our user base, we're not just targeting 20, 30 year old digital nomads. It's it's wider than that. So it's creating something that's um, that's able to onboard everybody without you know making it inaccessible for a large part of the population, but then also has that extra layer built on for the younger digital nomads. And how difficult is it right now, like to onboard those older generations and? And oh, dude, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> I did a, I, I did a talk on this. I did a talk on this. It was about a month and a half ago. I did a talk um, at a hotel here. We had a, we had a local business conference uh, that was specifically targeted at like local business owners and you know small business people who wanted to learn about Web three. And I'd say the average age in that room was like forty five, fifty. Right. And so it was my first time actually giving a talk on the subject to a, a room full of people who did not know about most of what I was talking about. So it was like right back to basics and it was a really different experience because instead of just being on twitter in an echo chamber where everybody always knows this keys in what, what, what you're talking about you had to kind of like reevaluate okay how do i actually explain this for people that don't have a reference point for this so it was really interesting <laughs> so how did it go how did, did they come to grips that something like this exists or what what was the outcome of this I was very, very pleasantly surprised. I had a number of people reach out to me after the event and say, hey, you know, I didn't know anything about blockchain. I didn't know anything about crypto, but I'm now going to set up a MetaMask and I'm going to start exploring. So I think it's when you put the information in a way that's accessible and you don't over explain things. You just say simply what it is and what it does. You don't put any extra barriers in front of people. A lot of people are quite happy to try new things out and to explore the technology. You know, there are a few misconceptions from the start and that, you know, you had the obvious questions was, okay, is blockchain, you know, a terrible source of, you know, environmental danger and, you know, it emits loads of electricity and we shouldn't use it. So it's like, well, no, the Ethereum modes reduce that and it's actually quite cost efficient compared to traditional systems. And then you have the, you know, I, I've, all I see is scams and these NFTs and these bored monkey pictures that trade at hundreds of thousands of pounds. Uh, like, okay, yeah, that's that's what the newspapers like to focus on, but it's not really what Web3 is. So it's like when you take a step back and you actually explain it to people, yeah, people are quite happy to jump on board and learn about it. And I think that's a huge uh, problem that I see right now is that we're stuck to a very a small kind of sphere, which is Twitter, where there's an, a lot of people who are very familiar with this and there's professionals in the sphere. But Twitter makes up such a small or minuscule amount of people around in technology in general, that even people who do engineering or engineers or whatever, or lawyers, there's so much more capacity for blockchain within those industries, but they're not familiar with it simply because Twitter is so small. And I think the, the media also portrays crypto mainly as a, I would say in a negative context, sometimes as too scammy. Mm -hmm. 
that we see that Bitcoin is trading up and then you should buy Bitcoin when it's up and then we see that it crashes, but they're not really discussing, well, maybe now they are discussing way more kind of integrations in the real world application, but before it was mainly, yeah, Bitcoin's crashing or Bitcoin's pumping. And I think that was also the, yeah, like that was the reason people didn't really onboard it either because they just heard it as a scam or something that's too volatile for them to cope with. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're exactly right there. And if you follow back 30, 40, 50 years, and even today, the things that lead to the greatest economic booms and, you know, the greatest bull runs in history is a focus on engineering and science in, from the education level. And it's making it exciting and it's making people want to get involved. I think it was a quote from Elon Musk when he said, people need to build more things. And I agree with that. And I think that Web3 and crypto is kind of made building and coding and engineering exciting again for a lot of people because we actually see okay, our generation missed out on a lot of the early internet. We kind of think it was really cool and retro looking back, but we missed out on that. For the people who were there, it was a really exciting time because you felt like you're on the frontier, you're building the next big thing that's going to impact millions of people's lives. Um, you know, And today with Web3, it doesn't impact a lot of us in the first world, but when you look at other countries and other continents, Web3 architecture is going to make a massive difference in those people's lives. And I think a lot of young people now are getting really excited about the prospect to be on that frontier building the next big thing. So I'm quite thankful for Web3 because it's it, it ignited a spark in me and I think it's ignited a spark in a lot of people and I think we're going to see this grow over the next few years too. Yeah, I definitely agree. Now we see more countries, for example, accept also the payments of crypto where before they were all screaming that, you know, it's impossible. Now we have this payment uh, infrastructure, but then there's way more than that. There's a couple of projects that I'm talking to that they're simplifying the use of traditional finance uh, UIs for trading, where they walk through the, the people that want to trade, for example, assets, they're breaking down using blockchain, how to use those kind of uh, trading tools or UIs. So they're, they're really helping the general population in some regard as well to onboard many other platforms. And I see that happening, you know, firsthand, which is amazing. Which then, but how are you guys in State 365 then going to be focused on bringing it out to the general population? not the ones on Twitter. Because for me, I can book something because I know, you know, I'm on Twitter, but let's say somebody who's six years old and trying to have this experience. How would you tackle that? We see this through, it's a great, great lead on. It's a very important point that a lot of companies probably aren't focusing on as much. You know, there's a great thing, you know, let's build a a crazy DAP or a Web3 app and, you know, let's make it a bit. It's quite hard to understand. And a lot of these UIs aren't very intuitive. Yeah, We're taking the opposite approach. You want to build something that's super simple to use, super easy, intuitive UI, not confusing people who don't know the terms with like all of this lingo and jargon that's in the industry. We're bringing it back to basics, you know, and to do that, you, may, you might not even want to say the name NFT or Web3 or blockchain. It just does that. Um, so we have people in our network who are, you know, 60-year-old property investors who are very successful and they're very good at what they do. And they don't, they're not very inclined to learn a whole new system. Um, you know, they're content with what they know now and it's been working for them. Of course. So on board those people, you have to take a different tack. And what would it be? For us, it's explaining the benefits without explaining the how. You know, when you buy a new iPhone, you don't care which processor it has in it or how exactly it works or that it uses, you know, the next generation of this or that. The technicalities isn't what sells something. It's the emotional aspect of a product. It's going to make your life easier. It's going to look really cool. It's going to be the best phone you can buy. You know, so taking that uh, marketing tactic for Web3, you don't talk about any of it. It's ease of transaction, speed of transaction, lower fees. You explain the benefits. Somebody joins up. They might not know it's Web3. They don't have to. And I think we all need to kind of take, take a step back and accept that Web3 isn't going to be in the spotlight. 
it's just going to be us building things with Web3. That's a very good point you make. I think potentially many people are spooked by the idea of Web3 as it's something very complicated and very complex system where you need to be a very smart individual and engineer to grasp or fathom what's going on. And like mm -hmm. you said, it doesn't necessarily have to be marketed that way. It can be shown with the ease of use and ease of usability. And then in the back end, later on, they'll be like, oh, this is what Web3 is or this is what blockchain can provide. So I definitely agree yeah. on the point you make here. Yeah, it's the it's the foot in the door tactic, I think. Get people interested in the product, emotionally invested on the benefits. Later on, once they're already in your ecosystem, sure, fine. Yeah. You know, tell them that you're Web3, then you can stay. Get them in to get them through the door. You have to wipe any regard of Web3 away. Just talk about your benefits. But I think that you can talk about this in a way, in such an easy way, simply because maybe you're building a platform which doesn't necessarily need to advertise Web3 or blockchain. Because if you take trading, for example, or something to do with finance, if we're doing DeFi protocols and where you know you can stake staking coins or you're trading coins or something like that, there you do need to kind of understand what's going on. And there you actually need to have a further uh, like knowledge on the system mm -hmm. itself than the ease of use of it, because those are the ones that can also provide opportunities. But within, let's say, what you're building, it is maybe simpler than the other ones. Mm -hmm. I'd say Robin Hood made trading and buying stocks accessible and easy. Like when I was growing up, I always thought that buying stocks was something that you had to be a banker or you had to have a lot of money or you had to know Same. people to do. Yeah. You know, and then all these trading apps came along like Robin Hood and they made it simple and fun. You know, I think Web3, what it lacks right now is a Robin Hood, is a killer app that makes it intuitive, fun and easy to get involved in Web3. There's no Robin Hood of Web3. Like even OpenSea can be unintuitive at times. I think that even for trading apps, it is possible to simplify the UI to such an extent that just anybody can get involved. I would agree. I think OpenSea definitely has some uh, bottlenecks here and there, but I think that's why there's a lot of alternatives that have been popping up on the market that are trying to yeah. uh, bring it further. Not only, you know, uh, we have Blur, the mm -hmm. NFT trading uh, marketplace, which is also trying to simplify more and more for the average user. And, you know, they have these um, features such as sweeping multiple floors at the same time or buying multiple of NFTs, because those are the things that, but at the end of the day, we're still pioneers on the forefront of this whole development. So in, in maybe a year or two time, we'll definitely have these Robin Hood for different aspects, for DeFi protocols yeah. or for NFTs. It's just, maybe we just got caught up in the right of the beginning of the whole storm. Yeah, yeah. Hindsight definitely helps when you look back and you assess. Yeah. When you're in the middle of a bull run, everybody's maniacally building and marketing and selling stuff all around you. Yeah. It can be hard to really rise above and get a good overview of what's really happening and who's building what. Exactly. In bear markets like right now is a great chance to actually look around you and assess, okay, where have we come in these few years? You know, yeah. Where did we start? Where are we now? What needs to be done? So I think the space in general, just like Crypto Web 3, everything, the blockchain space is kind of having a collective oh shit moment where we're all looking around we're saying okay what went, what went wrong last time what can we improve upon so you know it's 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 been very painful for a lot of people um over the past few months but i believe it is a necessary function of the system to do this deep cleanse once every few years um, i definitely you know, uh, of course yeah you need <laughs> retracements for you know the market to continue higher just like in trading you know you can't always have a green candle going up 
But then no. my question is to you, so you are in favor of the bear market because it lets you build and create genuine connections. So that that's yeah. what I assume. And how are you tackling this then? How are you talking to potential investors <clears throat> or what? How, how do you tackle it differently than in a bull market where not everything is going the best? Because your tone okay. essentially should, well, it does change yeah. because, yeah. Yeah, the narrative has to change, but the fundamentals stay the same. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, the institutional money comes in and there's more institutional money, right, by the way, right now in the bear market than there ever has been before, even during the bull market. The smart money sees where this is going and sees that it's inevitable. And the bear market is a chance to get invested in as many companies as possible for quite cheap. So it's an idle situation. So if you're looking around, you're thinking, how can I get investment in my project? It's a bear market. Everything's gone to shit. No, the narrative right now in the mainstream media may not be the best, but the institutional money is still overflowing and they're dying to put it in really good projects. So it's kind of like when you're speaking to these people, it's a different conversation that you're having because they see it from a certain perspective. You see it from your perspective and you're connecting in the middle. You're kind of showing them how you're the right company to steer the ship and how you have the right network and you can bring property in and real estate in and you have web two connections. They're looking for people that have an all round approach because a lot of the people who have been too focused on web three so far failed because they didn't have enough business mindset to know that there are certain things you can't do and certain things you can do when you're setting up a company. There is a lot of degen CEOs, degen founders that have now been ousted from their positions. There was like a wave of web three, like iconic personality founders who have just been gone, like gutted over the past few months. And to me, that's a clear sign that the institutional money is kind of pulling in the reins a bit and going, right, for the next bull run, we want to have people who are more reliable, more sensible um, in charge. So when you're having conversations with these people, see it from their perspective and see they're looking to invest in the next great company and show how you can be that. I think you said it well. Uh, there's a quote, I'm not exactly sure by who, but it says, you know, you've got to buy when everybody is fearful and sell when everyone's greedy. And it's Mr. very, Buffett. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, you know, relates to back to projects, right? If you guys are building a normal uh, or a very good product, uh, institutional money is going to be there. Uh, in comparison to when there when there's a bull market and everyone's just trying to shill their next big idea, but mm -hmm. coming coming back to all these CEOs and those were inherently the the pioneers of this whole thing, anyways. The guys who minted the board apes and those guys who instituted this whole change in new platforms or protocols, they did shift this space into maybe a better or worse position. But they were the ones who kind of took those risks to start these projects up. Sure, they may not be there on the oh. forefront, but they are the ones that took the risks. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I will always have massive, massive, massive respect for the for, for our Web3 forefathers who, you know, put us in this spot to be able to succeed. You know, I think it was a space that required a fundamental leap of faith that a lot of traditional CEOs weren't in the position to be able to take. Yeah. But a lot of these founders who retained a lot of control over really young, really fast growing companies, they they did quite literally pave the way for us to be able to build Stay365 and for a lot of projects to be able to now be on there second and third and fourth iterations of a specific concept in web three yeah. so don't get me wrong these guys have done an incredible job and i think that um a lot of degen you know founders iconic founders are going to still be coming out as, as they are everywhere um it's just a comment that i think a, a few of them you know we all know who got a bit too ahead of themselves and they weren't they were running a ship that was leaking water from the outset yeah and so there's a lot of fear right now especially within institutional money of that happening again 
so the purse strings are a little bit tighter and there's a little bit less of a risk tolerance but that doesn't mean that there's any less money being put into projects yeah i agree and i think to some degree twitter may also kind of put a smoke screen in front of that because ct may sometimes cause a let's say uh an image as if things are not going the best or that there's not institutional money or that everybody's kind of losing money. But in reality, it may also just be kind of just blank noise and because everybody's so all over the place. Yeah, that's a really good point. Especially when you're building something, it's very important that you keep yourself very detached from CT, especially, you know, it's a mess and you can get swept up in these narratives, you know, influencers need their engagement somehow. And there is, you know, weeks go by and the meta changes very frequently. It's it's just a tide in, a, in an ocean and you don't want to let yourself get caught up on it. Just focus on what you're doing. Don't listen to any of the noise. When you're building, you're building for yourself and for your community, first and foremost. You're not building for all of these random influencers on Twitter who are going to try, try and tell you one opinion or the other. Yeah. Um, you know, have tunnel vision and go for, go for what you're building. Yeah, and have you guys had any issues with that, the State 365 or any... I think we've been quite we've been quite lucky actually. Um, we haven't had any like major narrative kind of mess ups or anything, because from the outset I've been very careful with how I speak to people and the message that we're putting out there. And we were never one of those get rich quick projects. We never promised people financial returns. We never even hinted that we were going to be some crazy you know project that everybody's going to get rich from. We were very careful to say we're a utility project. We're innovating in real estate. We're innovating in travel. We're building a solution that one day we hope is going to be used by millions of people but this isn't going to be quick it's not going to be an easy thing and if you invest or if you spend money on the products we release you should probably expect to wait around for quite a while to receive them i think being authentic is the key to this if you can say your truth and don't get swept up in the you know oh, everybody else is promising returns everybody else is doing these marketing tactics so i should too no just hold back and be a bit more careful with what you're saying to people and don't get swept up in, in all these narratives that go on on Twitter. Like there was a free mint narrative. There was the, um, there was the storytelling NFT narrative. There's all these narratives that just come up again and again on Twitter. Don't get, you know, and, and there are always going to be people that capitalize on these narratives and that quickly cobble a project together on Fiverr and release it. And you will look at the numbers that these people do, you know, they've got 10,000, 20,000 people in their discord and the community's going crazy. And there's all this, hype around the launch and it can be really tempting to either adjust your project to fit this narrative or to introduce new things but if you do that you're just diluting the core premise of what you're building yeah and it might you know it might even work short term but long term it's definitely going to be damaging to your brand and reputation yeah i agree i think most of them are unsustainable and if we look at the market now 99 percent of those projects that had that short-term you know pump or blast they're not around anymore because either the owner's cash grabbed what they had to cash grab and the ones who profited profited and now it's just dust in the wind simple as which mm-hmm. in, in in a sense doesn't really bring the industry any further but it's just part of it it it's, it's just part of the industry as well you know you've got to have these little yeah. opportunities but you also got to have the big boys who are building for a long-term vision um i want to talk about your guys's nft approach we didn't touch yeah. upon that can you tell me a bit about how that is looking for the platform? Yeah, so we've been selling um, Genesis Travel Passes. So Genesis Travel Pass brings you membership and access to the Genesis Travel Club. The Genesis Travel Club is a group of people 
whom we prioritize in our ecosystem above everybody else. So if you hold one of these passes, just know that you're going to be given the very best travel deals that we're able to offer, essentially. So the first one of these travel deals that Genesis Travel Pass holders will have a chance to book um, is a property that we are partners, par, par, uh, partnered with. It's a block of luxury apartments about a minute's walk from the sea um, in, in Poole on the south coast of England. And people will have a chance to book this for like a crazy discount, like 75, 90% off somewhere in that region. So if you buy a Genesis travel pass, it will cost you like 300 bucks or something like that. And then you book this trip, you will have it paid back and then some immediately. And oh, wow. we're, you know, we're going to be having another one of these partners in Europe. And then we've got one on the line for, um, for Bali. And there's all these countries that we're going to be releasing, maybe one a month, or one every couple of months, that a number of holders will have a chance to book. So it's really a product that is intended for people who are travelers, who want to connect with the community of other travelers online, and then have access to all these really cool travel deals. So I think it applies to quite a lot of people. It's a really cool project. There's obviously other things involved, like staking your pass, um, can earn you stays tokens, which you can then like sell, or you can put it towards a trip. Yeah. Um, but the main premise, like the main value prop, is is really just the best deals you can get on travel, guaranteed. Okay. And how many passes are going to be there? Two hundred twenty-two of them, and we sold about um, about sixty of them so far. All right. So they're going quick, and there is really little amount of them, considering the scale that you're building at. This is a very exclusive uh, community. Yeah, we are, I, I personally think we price them quite low, you know, $300 each. I think that's quite a good value, to be honest. You know, when you look at what this gets you, like long term, you could hold this thing for years. And it could, like, if you do take advantage of these deals, you'll save thousands on travel. So, you know, we're, we're trying to speak to people who are passionate about traveling. Um, you know, digital nomads <laughs> fit the profile, right? Exactly. And are you guys going to be doing events with those uh, travel... Um pass holders or that's something in the making still it's just an idea right because some communities they go to some location and they celebrate that they're this strong community is that something on the outlook for you guys yeah i see those photos on twitter and i think that that is like a flex on the timeline if you can say like hey <laughs> we had a holders meeting and like exactly uh, like or whatever it's yeah. really cool to see are you part of any of those communities have you ever attended any physical meetups because it's something that we want to do I've kind of just locked myself inside for a few months building. <laughs> I can imagine. Oh, I've had a, uh, I've only left my house beginning of 2022 and I've traveled most of this year. So yeah, I have been to a couple, but it, it's an insane experience. I would say like mm. you're actually there talking to the people that you're always online with. So it's definitely a, a perk of having, especially for a community like you guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'll, I'll give a quick plug on the, uh, on the podcast to, uh, to Vivelle, um, there's a guy called Lars. He's he was known for he he bought a holiday home or an apartment or something, and he he sold like um, an NFT that let you stay there. So he funded essentially he, he bought a house and funded it through NFTs and then people stay there in the summer. Oh wow! But he's created an events company, a Web three events company called Vivelle, and they've got a week. I think it's like in May or June 2023, where it's a week in Cappadocia, and you kind of travel around. And these are all people that are in a community online that you speak to all the time. Yeah. It's going to be like a three, four day experience where there's live music and DJs. It's like Web3 workshops, there's speakers coming in. It sounds incredible and I really want to go. So we'll so, see. We might try and partner and do something with an events company once we've got a holder base. But I'm really open to the idea. I love events. Um, I think they're really powerful. Did you uh, visit a lot of events this year? or? Um, sadly not. Sadly not. I, I would love to have 
been able to go out more but you know we i i i was only half joking when i said i've locked myself inside and been building <laughs> i mean then next year poses a lot of opportunities for you you know if you guys scale and you partner up i think you'll be all around the world um making deals and shaking hands mm-hmm. but also enjoying your time off for your hard work right because that's also important i think that as a builder yourself um i think a huge thing that many people neglect is your mental and physical health that sure you can be creating an insane product which is great in the online world but if you're deteriorating it's not so good long term and how have you been for example coping with that that you've locked yourself in for a while yeah i I think it's i think it's really important to make sure that you take time out for yourself and like you actually make that deliberately so you schedule time off where you have okay an hour a day um, or you know a few hours each week where you have time with friends or with family and you get you just sign out you put your laptop screen down go to go outside deliberately and yeah. it's, it's tough to do this because there's been weeks where i've been like nah i've got to finish <laughs> this thing i don't want to go outside but if you like to keep that discipline and keep going it's really really important so i've burnt out i'm sure you've you've burned out we've all burned out at some point so yeah exactly i mean you can get addicted to the flow of work and you're just sitting 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 and at one point you're just like i can't can't do this anymore so i'd say <laughs> definitely got to keep that uh, in balance otherwise otherwise you know there's no point in also building something and not you know Pro- prospering yourself or a, don't deteriorate yeah. building something online <laughs> yeah i've read a lot of threads on ct where guys they burnt down they've been in hospitals and they've been like uh, you know serious consequences to the work that yeah. they've been doing so it's definitely not worth it to sacrifice your health um and then josh listen i've for me i've had an amazing talk i've uh covered all the topics i wanted to hear if you want to touch upon some uh things that you want to share i'm more than happy to talk about them you know, yeah um yeah i i've really enjoyed it. i think you you've been a, you've been a great host you asked me a lot of good questions Appreciate um, that. i really enjoyed talking through everything with you i'm gonna really enjoy um you know listening through to some future episodes you do because i think you're a great host but if there's one thing that i wanted to touch upon it's just the future of web3 and what all of our you know collectively as a space we're quite fragmented. Twitter is almost a town square of Web3, where everybody gathers to share their opinions and knowledge is gained, knowledge is learned. It's kind of like a great place. I think I kind of personally visualize Web3, or at least the future of it as a city, as a physical city. And you know, everything in that city has a function. There's a town square, which might be Twitter. There's certain projects which serve as the financial institutions. There's other places which are tokenizing crypto packaged goods or you know, travel services like Stave365. I think if we visualize it as a city, we can almost understand what we will need to do to make it a success. Because, and this is coming from somebody who's a decentralization maxi. um, And the original ethos of Bitcoin is obviously to disrupt the establishment. We can get kind of lost in the current state of things. And we can almost forget that the original purpose of crypto was a disruption, was an actual threat to the banking institutions and the other, you know, critical parts of society, which get away with way too much. If there's one thing that I just want to leave with people, it's don't forget why we're all here. When you look back, Satoshi, whoever he is, was a person that set off the chain of events that led to everything that we do today. Um, And I think it's important to keep that disruptive nature in mind. Fight back against regulations if you can. Um, Remember that we're building something to disrupt here, not to coexist alongside, but to disrupt. Um, Just keep that in mind when you're building. 
that's a very good uh, message to end this uh, podcast off. I really appreciate that. Um, I've also appreciated to have you on this panel today and really you shared amazing insights and amazing opinions on the things that we did talk about. So I really uh, wish you all the best with the building and that you guys scale up on measures that, you know, we've never seen in Web3 for such platforms that you're building and that you have reached great success. I thank you very much for that outro. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me. I hope everybody's enjoyed listening to the podcast. Yes. Peace. Yes. Take care, guys.